Today, the What's Up Award podcast interviewed Seda Doc. Her parents were born in Turkey, but she was raised right here in America. She's a first-generation college grad who not only got that bachelor's degree, but she got her master's too. She's an awesome school counselor on the East Coast. Listen in and find out how she's helped shaping tomorrow's leader with her caring and insightful style. Coming up right now on What's Up Award. Welcome back to What's Up with Ward. For those of you listening may not know it, but I am Wardy Ward, and to the right of me is my main man, Trey, who's in the building. What it do, bro, bro? What's going on, Wardy Ward? Well, it seems to be a lot of nonsense going on in this world today, but no worries. We're going to get to that shortly, all right? Uh, you know we do it. <laughs> hey, man, uh, before we get started, I just want to talk about a topic that's really on my mind right now. Oh, what you got? What you got? I saw a clip on uh, TikTok the other day where this guy went in this restaurant. I think it was McDonald's. Uh-huh. He, he actually wanted to fight this lady because she didn't put mayo on his sandwich. So he's chasing around and, and talking about, you going to make my sandwich? you going to make my sandwich? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Nobody helped. They just stood there and recorded. But, no, okay. Wait a minute. Was this before or after they, he was told that the ice cream machine is broken? That's what probably <laughs> set him up. I'm just asking. Well, you see, they, people don't have a problem with the ice, um, ice cream and shake. Uh, what do you call it? The shake machine broke. They're, they're good with that. You expect that. <laughs> you expect but you know, because, right? Right? <laughs> hey, when you when you do it at McDonald's and you got those fries, when them hot fries come out, that'll make you say, I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. I get that. Uh, I'm, I'm not uh, mad at that. And the extra a, special uh, Sprite they have there, something that's Sprite, that's Sprite, man. It's extra special, man. I'm telling you. It hit different, man. I, well, speaking of the Sprite, I know they're never going to bring back that high C orange with people trying to jump their workers all the time. So we all get affected by this. So, you know, I Go just want to get glad. Right. I just want to get that off my chest before we get started because um, okay. right now it's time for us to introduce our special guest on the show today. And her name is Seda. She's a licensed middle school counselor who has worked in Philadelphia and the Chester area, but she's currently using her talents in Derby. She has four plus years of experience in this field. It's our pleasure to talk to her. So, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Seda to our show. How are you? Hey, hey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm honored um, and I'm excited to talk about some important topics, especially right now with everything that's been going on lately. I know it is so much going on out here. We we we's gonna jump in there, but first, tell us a little bit about you, so uh, our, our listeners can find out who you are. Where'd you grow up? Got any brothers or sisters? And and what made you want to be a counselor? Yes, so I'm actually a first generation um, college student and the only one who was born here in the U.S. So my family is actually from Turkey. Um, mm. They've been here for about. Uh, well, longer than me, longer than I think they've been here about, I would say 36 years now. Um, okay. okay. So I grew up in Delaware County, basically um, have been here my most of my life. And then from, I would, I would say 2013 to about 2016, I lived in Maryland where I pursued my master's degree in school counseling. Um, Uh So I I lived close to D.C. area, which was an awesome experience. I got to network a lot and, you know, meet a lot of different people. Um, And then eventually I came back to Pennsylvania and I have been here ever since. Um, 
So yeah, I've been kind of bouncing around, but uh, I've been a school counselor since 2017. Okay, 2017. So, so Pennsylvania's got a lot of hills, don't they? Up and down, yes. crazy street. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now wait a minute. Wait. What, what what part of Pennsylvania? Because we need to make sure we clarify a few things before we continue this conversation. Of course. What part of Pennsylvania? So now, do you do you claim? Philly, or do you claim Pittsburgh when it comes oh, to football? Oh, Philly, all the way. Philly, all the way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, where, where do you find these people? <laughs> where do you find these people, Ward? Oh, we cannot no. have this conversation anymore. I'm sorry. Uh, Trey is a huge Steelers oh, fan. Huge Steelers fan. Yeah, see, and I'm a diehard yeah. Eagles fan, so... <laughs> I told that's, you. That's, that's I said, right. I said we, we shouldn't go there. We will speak slowly for you. It's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh. So I live right outside of Philly. I'm, I'm about 10 minutes. Um, it's just honestly, you know, a ride right on the highway um, to get to Philly for me. So, yeah, I've been outside of Philly uh, my entire life. And I have worked in Philly Um at one point, you know, in my career. And so, um, you know, that was a great experience. I do miss working there, but I don't miss parking and I don't miss the traffic. Mm. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay. All right. Now we, we, we got that part cleared. I got to ask you one more question. Sure. Before we go, go ahead. Further, one more time now. Okay. Is it Pat Sticks or Geno's? Which is it? Oh, uh, you know with- what? Neither. Like, Thank oh, you. No. you. Thank uh, you. Ouch. All right. Okay. Ouch. So for any anyone Ow. who's out there who hasn't come to Philly, you're going to hear those landmarks. But if you're a true like cheesesteak lover, you're not going to go to either place. Mm. Okay. Where, where, where do wow. we got to go then? Wow, Trey. So there's a couple of places. Um, I my favorite one of my favorite spots in Philly is actually Ishkabubbles on South Street. Um, there are kind of like some hole in the wall places too, um, like gyms and, you know, you got some other options, but like, I would say Ishkabubbles definitely, that's number one. (laughs) Um, but I had Gino's like once in my life and I was like, yep, this isn't it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a Gino's fan either. I'll just go there for you. How about that? So you don't Uh, like Pats? Pats is good. No, you know what? Pats is good. It's just not like okay. number all right. one. Okay, we can be friendly then. Okay, I'm just good. Good love. We got common ground. That's that's the important thing here. Well, I was, Ward, I was gonna have to hang up, man. I'm, I mean, I well, leave the show. I, I'm I, glad we get past it because uh, yeah. Okay, okay uh, so uh, I need some counseling now. Okay, I need some therapy. Okay, what do we do? No, <laughs> what no do doubt. you do when you're counselor? <laughs> right, right. Counseling for the counselor. But uh, so why did you say you want to be a counselor? So, I've kind of so I my for my person my personal family story um, there was definitely a lot of mental illness uh, growing up in my family and I would find myself okay. um, like diagnosing people at a young age mm. <laughs> not mm-hmm. really you know I didn't have the training I didn't have the schooling it's just something that came natural to me and I really uh, was intrigued by like human behavior and why people do the things that they do. Um, and so I just knew, I was like, you know what? I know that one day I'm going to be a counselor. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy, um, you know, giving people, helping people with resources. Um, and you know, Mm -hmm. I found myself helping out my dad a lot, um, growing up. And then 
once I went to high school, I actually spoke to one of my school counselors at the time and she kind of showed me you know the ropes and said hey I think this would be a good you know career for you and I just kind of took off from there I I pursued um a bachelor's in psychology so I did that Mm. for four years and then I went on to my master's for about two and a half years more um for school counseling so it was like seven years of school (laughs) total (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it because I had read that uh, there's five traits to make a great counselor. And it said you have to be a good communicator, somebody who shows empathy, uh, uh, friendliness, understanding of diversity, and knowing when to act. I think uh, so. You obviously have got all those skills. So I'm glad uh, that you chose a field that works Thank for you. So you. Much. Yeah. What's a, what's a typical day like uh, for you in school? I mean, especially since COVID is under the oh, scene. What's yeah. that like so, when you go there? Or are you in yeah, school? So I've, I've been in school. So um, for my specific school district that I work in, uh, the counselors or support staff and the administrators, uh, we've basically been in the building um, for months now, um, even with students not being in the building. Basically, we were there in case any parents needed help. If they, if anyone, you know, came up to the school and had any questions or Um, you know, just things like that. So I've, me personally, I've been inside of the building, but as far as students coming in, they didn't start coming into the building until about beginning of February. And so um, this year definitely looked different with the virtual learning, having to adapt, shift gears and go from in-person counseling to doing counseling, which was definitely interesting but it's something that I feel like I have more experience with now so I do feel comfortable doing it and I enjoy doing it um but honestly a lot of people do ask me that and I always tell them I'm like you could go in with an idea of what you want to do each day but it never ends Mm -hmm. up being like that (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine I can imagine at any given moment you know something could happen you could have a parent coming in asking for something you could get a phone call um you could have a student you know that needs something or there could even be like a crisis situation where a student um is expressing possibly wanting to hurt themselves um or maybe they're dealing with something severe at home so of course for me that is priority and ensuring that students are safe um so yeah i mean it's it could like anything could happen it's very unpredictable so you kind of have to go in with that mindset right yeah that makes sense well <clears throat> i guess it's time we're just gonna have to get uh into the weeds now because i, I want to know this mm-hmm. it's um it's sad to report but in the u.s there has been a, like 45 mass shootings in the last month alone and 147 shootings since uh 2021 began and i think that's probably been slowed down thankfully by COVID. why do you think this keeps happening and what can we do to possibly slow this down from a a counselor standpoint so a lot of it so it, it was interesting because in 2020 you know you didn't hear about anything because of the pandemic you know everybody was learning right from home from home you know all the educators staff they were at home as well working um with their computers um, I would say the, the key component definitely, I would say, is mental health. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And it just, I feel like it exposes how uh, little resources we do have in this country still, as far as providing mental health supports to people. Um, you know, even though I feel like we're, we're headed in the right direction with spreading awareness for mental health, I feel like we still have a long way to go. Um, yeah, because I agree. not, you know, uh, some people, you know, there's a stigma against seeing a therapist some people are hesitant to talk to someone about you know whatever they're dealing with um and there may Mm -hmm. not be local therapists either so really depending on um where you live there might not be as many therapists available than let's just say if you're living in philly or you know one of the more uh well-known cities so i i definitely think the mental health piece for sure lack of resources um and people just not feeling like they they have anyone that they can talk to. Right. Do you do you think also it's uh, culturally based too? Because I know, I think in my family, if a person was to talk to a counselor, that's a sign of weakness, and to go admit you had a problem, people may look at you differently. Absolutely, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was actually something that I dealt with you know, in my personal life growing up. So my family, um, I was born into a, you know, Muslim family. Uh, I'm Middle Eastern. So that's also mental health is also something that's not talked about. Um, Basically, Mm. what we talk about in the family stays in the family. And if you Mm -hmm. get out of the family, then there's issues. And um, yeah, I I think the, the cultural aspect definitely plays a role simply because there's a stigma against mental health you know some cultures don't believe that it exists they believe that it is a sign of weakness um and they also have this like stigma against oh you're paying someone to talk to you like you can just come to us (laughs) right you know (laughs) you're right yeah someone to, to talk to when you can just like come talk to your family yeah yeah i agree with that too it's kind of like a it's like, go 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 ahead, Trey. You had you had a thought. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking too. You know, there's so many times when you know, say that you were talking about there was all the stressors that are out there. We don't know what baggage folks are carrying with them going through their their day to day activities. You know, I, I remember I'm, I'm I'm a history guy myself, and I love you know learning about you know, you know leaders who had you know you know they they something great and then something terrible happens and it kind of takes them off off their game a little bit, but you know, think of an example like uh, Pat, how he actually was, you know, berating a person who wasn't going back into battle, and he was, uh, "Oh, you're you're fine," and started beating them. And you know, back in the day, that was a, a you know a macho thing where you know you, you're fine, you get up there, you you rub some dirt in, and you keep going. But now, you know, we hear of instances of that term uh, PTSD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and prior to that, you know, you think about that and you know battle fatigue for soldiers and and for more recently for frontline workers in hospitals would you apply the same standard to to folks in your arena in education and students and you know the fatigue just kind of dealing with the pandemic and then they have the stressors of being on social media and the perception of being with their mm-hmm. friends and they think something's wrong with them and something is wrong with, with the situation around them they don't know who to talk to so 
you know, how, how do you help someone who has that influx of all this information that's coming now 24 hours a day? Because let's be honest, growing up, you know, war's a little bit, you know, younger than, I mean, older than I am. <laughs> right, right. You know, we, you know, there's a time when, when television shut off, you know, you wouldn't see right. anything on TV. You know, there wasn't there wasn't the social media aspect. There wasn't this this perception of always trying to keep up an image or or, or your own brand. So how how do you help a, a young person who doesn't have that skill set, like an adult would, to deal with these additional stressors that you typically may find in, with an adult who maybe have some more life experience or something to deal with some of the issues that are out there. So one thing I really, um, you know. I put a huge emphasis on this school year is just reaching out and making myself available as much as possible. Um, because, you know, I know that every student has a different story. You know, they may have, um, no support at home or they may have support or there might not be a belief in mental health or there, there can be. And so one thing I did is I made myself available as much as possible through whether it was through email, my phone, um, through we use Google Meet video, so we use Gmail mm. basically. That's our that's kind of like our system that we use in my particular school district. Um, I've done even text with students like off of my work phone, you know, just kind of checking in on them. Um, of course, it is better to have the student in front of you because then you're able to kind of gauge not only the, the mental health aspect but the physical too. And that's actually something that has been the most concern, not only for me, but really educators everywhere is that we only know what's so much, like we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. So some of our students may be experiencing neglect, abuse, and we did not know the school year simply because they're not coming into the building. We're not able to kind of see those signs. Um, and so just being transparent with my students and families, making myself available on all platforms and just letting them know, you know, I'm here to support you. I'm not going to force anything on you because I do respect your beliefs, but I do, but I do see how this is impacting your grades. It's impacting your attendance. So once I kind of make it about school, that's normally when students and parents are like, okay, let's, let's give this a try. Um, Mm -hmm. it's okay if you connect us with an outside counselor you know we'll, we'll we'll give it a try and see how it goes and if it doesn't work out then at least we can say we tried um right so just kind of offering you know students and uh parents tools but of course not forcing it mm -hmm. on them because i do respect their their beliefs or their opinions about mental health and i don't want to force anything on them <laughs> do um, drugs play a, a major part in, in the kids in your school or are they having issues with that at that young age? Yeah, so I, so it, it's interesting because when I worked in, in Philly, I worked at a high school. So it was more um, kind of there with, you know, the high school, the older kids. And so going into mm -hmm. middle school, I'm like, oh, you know, I know kids start experimenting at this age, but I didn't realize how common it is especially in eighth grade because it seems yeah. like that eighth grade mm -hmm. like 14 15 age going into high school is kind of like prime time um mm. i would say the things that i see most common um are 
you know, marijuana. Um, there's definitely yeah. some vaping involved. Um, of course, you know, drinking. But other than that, I don't see any other kind of drugs, um, you know, popping up. It just seems like marijuana and then like the vaping um, are the two more common things that, that I see. Okay. Yeah. Do you find this more of a situation where it's like a, a gateway situation where, you know, you had a student that may be marginalized and kind of feeling like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of out here by myself. I don't have one, anyone supporting me. And then, you know, you, you see some of those other triggers where they maybe they're with the wrong crowd a little bit. You just got a feeling about things. And then, you know, you, I don't know. Is, is that what typically happens? I mean, I can't imagine a kid that's going from from zero to 100 just like without some type of uh, transitional situation. Yes. But is that so what you're noticing? Both, actually. So I've seen it from both sides where some some can be peer oh, pressure wow. okay. while the other or, you know, just kind of hanging with a group of kids and you see everyone else doing something and now you want to do it. But then on the other <clears throat> the other end, especially what we have seen not even just in the community I work in, but just in general, is that this pandemic really made it difficult for families to stay afloat financially. So a lot of times, especially in single parent households where mom or dad is working 12 hour shifts, there's really nobody at home to kind of keep an eye on the student. And so what ends up happening is that's kind of where like the temptation kind of creeps in or you know they go the kids mm-hmm. go outside they start hanging out with older kids um so i don't think it's intentional like where parents are being neglectful by any means i just think that this especially this past year has been very difficult for some of our families and there's just mm-hmm. nobody home to really supervise right right i think also um Many times when parents do spend time with their kids, it's not really quality time. It's almost like it's instructional time. Did you do your homework? Did you yeah. clean the house? Did you do this? You, they're not really being a family. I don't I don't know if that really happens too much in society anymore. No, because of the, the hustle and bustle of life. Like, I just feel like life has been so on the go. You know, there's always something going on, whether it's work or school or life, you know, things happening around us and it's so much more I feel like it's gotten more fast paced over the years than back when I was younger that could just be me Mm -hmm. but I feel like there was definitely more of that family time growing up whereas now there's so many distractions yeah definitely social media because social media can bring people who are far away close to us but it kind of alienates the people who are right there with us so most of the time Mm -hmm. you see people out there Mm -hmm. down looking at their phones or devices and it's like you don't even know who's in the room because you're not paying attention. You know, Sarah, let me ask you this as well. You know, have you ever noticed where there's a situation that's the opposite end of the spectrum? You got you got the kids who are marginalized at one side. You got the other kids who they are super active in everything. I mean, you I mean, there is literally no 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 space on their calendar for nothing else. I mean, they go from class to 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 football mm-hmm. to to track to to dance to to choirs to everything that's going on, and they're just going from this to this to this to this to this to this to this. 
do you find that you know those those type of students also need to have some type of outlet for counseling because they may feel the pressure to maintain certain things because if I do this this and this and this I have a better chance to get into the college that I want and and do you find those type of students having issues as well yes definitely that pressure not only from the family but the pressure that they have on themselves can then bring on anxiety Mm -hmm. which is the most common Mm. um i guess like official diagnosis you could say um for for people who have that like you know they feel they have that feeling of being overwhelmed they feel like they have a lot of weight on their shoulders normally that can trigger or bring on anxiety or at least feelings of anxiousness and so um, I definitely think they would benefit. I, I do work with a handful of those kinds of students who they feel like, you know, they have a lot of pressure on them. They feel like they have to get everything done. And what I've also noticed is not only with the academic piece or the sports or other like activities they have going on, but they're also being looked up to by their younger siblings. So now they're like, they feel like this, like, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the person who gets my family out of this community. Like it, they, they, they kind of put this pressure on themselves. Like I'm going to be successful. Like I'm going to make money. I'm going to get my family out of this community. I'm going to do great things. And so, and then they also have younger siblings who kind of look up to them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. Then you throw that that caveat of you know the helicopter parent that's super attentive that wants their kid to do this and this. Well, how come you got a you got an A minus? How come you couldn't get an A plus? <laughs> yeah, you know, that that added pressure. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't that student I, by any stretch of the imagination, but you know I've heard those things happening to kids as well too. So, you know those stressors and, and adding pressure to them, man, it just seems like counselor you have a full oh, yeah. yes. on, 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 but I all enjoy it yeah. I really enjoy it because I feel like everyone in this world no matter how you can have people that are like oh I'm perfectly fine I'm happy no that's not true like everyone has something going on whether they like to admit it or not now do I think that everyone has um some type of diagnosis absolutely not not you know i'm not saying that but i feel like everyone could benefit from having someone to talk to because life in general is is challenging you know you have work personal Mm -hmm. life issues relationship issues financial issues especially throughout Mm. this pandemic so i feel like every single person no matter how old you are could benefit from receiving some type of counseling or just talking to somebody like even if it's like a coach or you know a positive person that can kind of you know um listen and you know guide you kind of in in a sense right yeah let me ask this question um trey had brought up the ptsd you do you think uh students are dealing with that ptsd from all the uh police violence that's going on or well, what is the general attitude on that for young people? Yes. So I actually, one of my goals this year was to start running small groups. So basically it's mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. like a handful mm-hmm. of kids. I would say maybe six, seven, eight kids. And so this year, normally I would have this in person and it would just be me and it would be a handful of kids in a classroom and we would do 
you know, we would talk about different topics and it's kind of like counseling, but it's really just an outlet for the kids. So this year I did this online. So now it's through, um, you know, Google meet video. We meet every Friday and the kids attend religiously. Like they have not missed a meeting because they feel like it is their only outlet. And one of my group topics is actually called empowerment. And in this group, we do talk about everything that's happening in the news, um, with racial injustices, um, Black Lives Matter, police brutality. We talked about the election. We talked about COVID. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the, like the common themes I'm seeing is that PTSD and that trauma piece where kids are like becoming desensitized and you can see it right like they're like well what's the point and even like they're like you know nobody's really advocating for us like nothing's gonna change or on the other hand you also have since i work with middle schoolers they're like well i'm only 13 14 like what what can i really do to make things better Mm, good question so it's it's basically you know it's called empowerment so that way um you know, they, their voices are heard. And then we all basically come up with some ideas of what can we do? What is within our power right now to do to try to make things better? Mm-hmm. Do you guys have a police presence in your school? Not honestly. Um, I would say in, in, you know, last year, like when everything was in person, mm-hmm. So there, there's not like, so we have security guards, so, but they're like members of our school district, like they're, they're staff. So they're not, you know, they don't have like the scary uniform, like they're kind of just in the hallway, just kind of being like a monitor in a sense, making sure that kids are getting to class and things like that. We never had okay. like a police officer um, on site or anything. Okay. Um, have have cops you know shown up like if like a fight happened absolutely but other than that um we don't have like somebody that's you know in the front of the building with a uniform on kind of like yes like a resource officer or Mm -hmm. something like that okay okay yeah i had the opportunity to be a a licensed sub teacher here in Indianapolis for a few years and a couple of schools I once worked at, they were like the last alternative to kids before they were mm-hmm. kicked out of the system. And they had armed security guards there. I mean, they had like the clips, like three, four clips on the belt and guns and stuff. And I just like, it kind of just left a unsafe feeling for me, but I want to know, do you think that schools should um, allow their teachers or the presence of guns on campus as a, as a protection? See, this is, this is definitely a topic that I'm kind of like, do I think that teachers should have protection? Yes. But do I think that should be the first resort? Like, oh, let's train our teachers and have them have guns. No, not because not only can it be traumatizing for them, it's traumatizing for our kids because now they feel like they're in this, like, uh, let's just say, call it what it is. Like they probably feel like they're in a prison. Like they're in this classroom mm. and then they see, even though the gun may not be out in the open, it's, it's like them knowing that it's, it's there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. do I think that we should enhance or we should maybe increase like school security guards? Sure. 
possible metal detectors, sure. But like as far as like having actual guns in the building and having teachers have them, me personally, I don't think that's a tough, solution. Tough call. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. I don't. I don't really like guns at all. But I'm thinking if you're in a situation. Well, we all see what's happening on the news lately. But if you're in a situation, you're an educator, the parents and the students are to get educated, and then you might be in a situation where you have to pull a gun on somebody, and what are you going to do? Are you going to shoot them? Are you, was a kid having a bad day? Was a teacher feeling nervous? I mean, so many yeah. scenarios that could go off in that situation that I just think it's, it's going to be a lose-lose for everybody. But I think there, a lot of people are leaning, leaning toward well, that. Hey, Ward, let me, let me throw a quick counterpoint out there. You know, years ago, I was, you know, again, history stuff, looking at some some educational practices that were held in Indiana. And, you know, they actually had gun education, rifle, rifle shooting uh, classes in, in school where you could actually get education on how to use, properly use a firearm in a structured environment. That was part of their, their wow. curriculum. Um, that, and that was that was years ago. Yeah, that, this is not now. I mean, this is definitely, you know, you go back and look into the you know the black and white pages of of old school yearbooks and things of that nature. You think, wow, in the fifties and sixties, yeah, you know, hey, you could actually have education on the proper use of a firearm. Now, was it a different time and space then? Oh, absolutely, you know. And you you think about where things are now. Um, let's let's be honest. It's, there's a lot more factors that go into hey, we need to really think about what's really should be in the the core curriculum of our classes you know hey let's let's talk more about you no know, mm-hmm. you no know, emotional intelligence let's talk about financial awareness you know let's let's talk about proper use of social media uh the the impacts of uh of you know learning diversity in in, in, in mm-hmm. schools and, and things of that nature you know um so definitely different time and place um and let's let's think about it too you know do you really want a, an educator being put in a situation where they have to use potentially lethal force to to calm a situation you know that's that's well beyond their skill set i I think it goes back to uh like said was saying about the uh mental awareness because uh, a lot of people might have Mm -hmm. an issue that we might not know and i've seen police officers who are supposed to be first responders not handle that situation correctly so if someone has a mental illness they may seem like you know they're out of control but i think you can de-escalate people with proper training i, I mean i could be wrong here but i i think that's how it works hey there's some teachers I'm, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to have <laughs> after being in some of their classes I'm like um i just want to pass it. right yeah because so, everybody yeah. can have a bad day you know? right you know, what's the mental if you have a bad day stuff too like we we talk about the kids or random people showing up uh-huh. to the building but like let's let's also think about the staff's mental health too because that could definitely be important in determining who has a gun and who hasn't <laughs> do they actually do something for for the educational staff about mental health or do you, do you check in with them I, too or i do because i feel like you know since i am the counselor in the building it's kind of like a uh, like it just happens like where you know staff do come up to me and they you know they vent or you know um, you know they come to me like if they need any advice or solutions and things like that 
And, you know, my door is always open for them. But unfortunately, I think mm-hmm. our staff are so overwhelmed as well. And they've kind of been mm-hmm. not just, you know, our school district, but everywhere across the country. I mean, you have staff who have kind of been, you know, I don't want to say neglected, but they haven't really been offered the support that they need. You know, one minute they're called superheroes. They should win. They should make all this money. They deserve it for all the work that they're doing. But then the moment when people found out that some schools weren't opening up, you know, five days a week, it was all of a sudden, well, teachers shouldn't be getting paid for working from home. Like, <laughs> like so dealing right. with all of that. Right. You're right. working nine months out of the year. Right. Right. <laughs> every right, right. Off. So like hearing all of that, that yeah. like, unappreciation. Yeah. And then on top of that, trying to juggle this whole like entirely new platform of online learning trying to convert their paper and pen lesson plans into like electronic you know lesson plans like it's just been a lot it's been a very long school year yeah yeah that that does seem like a lot and i do i do think uh, educators are underpaid um i think for the job you do like i said my little short time as a a sub really taught me you're you're almost like a nurse you're a doctor you're Everything. a counselor you're a, <laughs> a provider yeah you wow it, it's just it's more than i knew so mm-hmm. let me ask you this question <clears throat> word on the curb is that you went to loyola university yes. of maryland how did they prepare you for this field was anything new when you got there were you like hey i didn't i didn't see this coming or were you just like hey another day so- i got this I feel like my program prepared me very well as far as my position in itself. And um, one thing that they really drilled into my mind at my grad program that I'm forever appreciative of them for is um, they basically enforced collecting data to showcase what you do. Like, what do school counselors do? Because oftentimes a lot of people think, oh, you know, they're just meeting with kids or doing counseling. But there's so much more that we do. And so I feel like Mm -hmm. them training me on how to kind of advocate for my role has been very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, as far as I guess it might be hard, like in any grad program to really train counselors on what to do in certain situations. But I can say that working in certain schools especially like inner city um you know you're you're walking into a different world than what you're taught in grad school you know they're telling you oh if the kids yeah. go through crisis do this but they're not telling you what do you do if there's gun violence what do you do if there's a drug issue right what do you do if a student comes up to you and and tells you that you know you know they're not being fed when they go home or they're being abused and Mm -hmm. so those types of things would be so beneficial to kind of like have more hands-on experience like whether it's in our internships or even if we do like a scenario type of thing in the class those types of situations i feel like i was not prepared for but I feel like with experience and just kind of like being in there and just like reacting, like it kind of comes like first nature for me. So I'm like, okay, I I know what to do. Like, I let me just Mm -hmm. use my best judgment. Let me let me do what I think would be the best thing for the student at this time. 
Okay. You know, let me ask a quick question. Sometimes, you know, you, you think about the primary objective of, a, of an educational system uh-huh. is, of course, is to educate kids. And, um, you know, let's be honest, you, you start thinking about it takes money to run the, the, the schools because at, at some point, you know, you have the, the windfalls coming in from from maybe some type of grant or some type of funding. Maybe the big part of your funding is no longer coming from the local tax base from the from the you know the residents in the community for public education. Do you find that you know in your role in that support role that you know you're having to justify hey the reason why you're here you know hey no I'm not the coach on the on the football team the baseball team the gymnastics team or yada 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 but here is the 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 dollar and cent value that we are adding to the school district when it comes to know saving lives or, or improving the educational system across the board uh in preventative or 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 proactive measures as well do you have to, yes. to do that and that's where unfortunately um it's that constant like having to advocate for my role um and 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 letting people mm-hmm. know like my job mm-hmm. is so important and i think because a lot of these decision makers aren't in the schools they don't see what we're doing they just assume oh well you're not teaching a classroom so what are you doing with your time and mm-hmm. so but they don't know mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. like the vi- well let's just base it off of this school year they don't know how many video um sessions you had with students how many emails you sent out to students right how much of your own time you spent calling parents or trying to track down kids all year wondering where they are, what's going on, if they need any help. Um, all of the the concerning emails we've gotten from kids just saying things like, I want to die or I don't want to live anymore. You know, those are things that we deal with as counselors. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't know about these things. They just assume like, oh, you're just sitting in your office. And if a kid shows up, then a kid shows up and that's it. Um so that data collection piece for me personally has helped me so that if anyone was to question what I do, I'm like, here you go. Here's a binder. <laughs> you can mm-hmm. There you go. That's I smart. That's the beginning of the school year. Yeah, I think I'm going to use that in my job. I'm a licensed insurance agent yeah. here in Indiana as well. And that's one thing we do, too. We we have to document what we do because we do a lot of different things and and if you don't document it down sometime, it exactly. really didn't happen. So I do like that. Mm, yeah, that, that, that's <laughs> very true. You don't have a paper trail. You don't have a paper trail or a receipt. Right. And, you know, I find it interesting because <laughs> I do a lot of work after yeah. work. And I don't really include that. I was like, eh, just par for the course, you know. But, mm-hmm. yeah, you do a lot. So I can see that. Uh-huh. If you weren't a counselor, I have two questions. Actually. If you weren't a counselor, what would you do? And my part B to that is does a counselor have a counselor? Very great questions. Um, so the first one so I would love to if I wasn't a counselor I would love to get into forensics and I would love mm. to help solve mm. crime mysteries. Like I would like I love like the detective crime I mean I guess it does tie in the psychology again because I really want to kind of piece things together and figure out what motivated somebody to do something um 
So I either would want to do that or I would want to get into interior designing. So I'm I'm very like I enjoy Mm. decorating, art, Mm -hmm. putting things together. Um, So that would kind of, you know, be the other option. Um, Now, as far as me receiving counseling, I have at one point in my life. um, And this, I felt like helped me tremendously, especially dealing with, you know, I am a huge advocate for that because I feel like if I'm helping other people and I'm encouraging other people to receive counseling services, I feel like, you know, I would be Mm -hmm. a hypocrite if I didn't receive it myself. I feel like every single person, and it goes back to what I said earlier, every person could benefit from having somebody to talk to. Um, for me personally, at one point in my life, just to be completely transparent, I did see a counselor and this was right after I lost my dad. Um, thank you so much. Um, and then also, you know, having family in another country, not really being able to see them, you know, that those types of things definitely took a toll on me. Um, and I felt like in order to be the best advocate and counselor for other people, I have to also take care of my mental health as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's hard to get back over there. Yeah. So often. the last time I went was in 2018. Um, and then I was going to go in 2019 and I regret not going because then 2020 came around and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and so it was like, Oh oh my goodness. So, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I, once I feel, you know, more comfortable, I think I'm definitely going to go, um, sooner rather than later. Um, it's not hard to go over there, but the flight is Mm -hmm. really long. Was Um, it about 18 hours? I think. Yeah. I want to say it's like 11 hours. So I usually fly out from New York. I drive to New York. Well, okay, I usually okay. get a ride to New York, fly out from New York, and then there's like a straight flight from New York to um, Istanbul, Turkey, which is about 10 hours. And then mm-hmm. I'm on the plane again for like mm-hmm. another hour or two to get to the part of Turkey where my family lives. So it's a process. Okay. <laughs> wow. What's, what's it like over there compared to America? Is it crime-free? Is it? Yeah. You know, I'm sure you don't face the same so, situation we do. Like where my family lives and where my brother lives currently, I I don't see any crime. I mean, of course, I'm sure it happens, but I it's so peaceful, right. it's so beautiful. Anytime I go over there, um, the food is delicious. <laughs> the food is delicious. Um, okay. Everyone's super nice. Um, and I think, you know, it does go like there's a stigma against the Middle East. So Turkey is considered to be a part of the Middle East. And a lot of people, when they think Middle East, they're like, oh, there's crazy stuff going on over there. It's probably a war. You know, it's, it's poor. Um, but it is like the opposite in Turkey. You go over there. Mm, people have their okay. businesses. Um there are positions of, of power, like female positions of power. Um, so it's, mm. it's just beautiful. I would okay. highly suggest or recommend anybody to go travel if they want to. <laughs> um, so yeah. It's great. 
What, what, okay. What languages do they speak it's, over there? Is it so saying? Is it English speak, too? So, um, like everything is either in English or in Turkish. So there is okay. a language called called Turkish. Okay. Now, um, you know, there may be some people that speak Arabic as well, but for the most part, it's it's Turkish and English. Okay. I think Listen, I definitely want to go. So <laughs> the you last know. time I checked, I think the U.S. dollar was worth like five or six times more over there. What? That's all, you need to know. That's all I need to know. <laughs> oh, 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 more, we, oh, more, we need to make some arrangements. Yeah. You let us know. Let us know where hey, to go to get some grub. Man, I live like a king uh, over there. Like, see your like, yeah. You know, like chicken kebabs, gyros, <laughs> lamb. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's, all that's that. kind mm-hmm. of like what mm-hmm. what the Turkish culture is well um, known for. It's right next to Greece, so like if you see a lot of the Greek restaurants and stuff around here, you're gonna you know like they have that type of food. It's considered Mediterranean food. So if you guys want authentic Mediterranean mm. food, I highly recommend traveling to Turkey. Okay, <laughs> I'm definitely interested. Um, do they have? I think. Uh, one of your pictures I saw you had you were in like a hot spring your, your dad yes. and you had did it when you were younger and it, it, it what, 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 how is it hot? Great Who's question this up? <laughs> yeah so <laughs> geothermic isn't it? So I always wondered I, okay, if it's a hot spring I'm guessing that me too, kind of how like nature and just things like that like are just like that naturally without having any type of you know um yeah, so that's that's a part of Turkey. Uh, it's about a couple hours away from where my family lives. But my dad, when he lived, you know, because he was born in Turkey, he used to always go there as a kid. And then when I uh, was maybe three or four, um, we flew out to Turkey. So I kind of like faintly remember some things when I was three or four going there with my family. And me and my mm-hmm. dad... Um, he would like throw me in the water and like I would dunk him too. So we would like, we would like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> we, would, like, we would basically, um, you know, he would always, you know, mess around with me. And, you know, we, we had a lot of fun. Um, our entire family basically went. And then so when I got older and I went, when I think it was, this was in 2018, I was like, I need to go there. Um, and so I went to the same spot that I have a picture of me and him, like in the water together. Um, yes. So I tried to recreate uh, uh-huh. that image, which meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Thank yeah, you. I saw it. That was nice. That was real nice. Okay. Well, we come to this part in the show mm-hmm. where we call Getting to Know You. Well, we'll ask you just a few questions so, you know, everybody can really wrap this up and, sure. and feel like we know the real you uh, just a few questions did you have any you want to do first trade or do you just want me to go no go ahead I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there as okay what is your favorite movie oh, of all time okay I have like two I love the Fast and Furious series and and I also love yeah that's a good series Lundiana because I feel like it's very like woman power so yeah. <laughs> mm, okay. Okay. I, I just want to put a little asterisk. I didn't like Tokyo don't Drift. Like don't understand I why that was in there. But. <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yes. Is Kevin Hart funny? And he's from Philly, so. Okay. <laughs> funny looking, right. Yep, I would I agree. Did. Other than that. Wow. Oh, She's Kevin Hart's funny. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, you, you guys dance. are going to laugh at me. I used to when I was younger. Like, I used to try to impersonate them because, like, I thought it was so funny how they would dance. Yeah. And so I would, like, you know, jokingly do it when yeah. I was, like, a teenager. Um, I think I still know how to. I just haven't tried. So. <laughs> yeah. Seems like it's tricky. There. I mean, it's a lot of moving. I don't, I don't think I could do it. But <laughs> Ward, that's an image we don't need from you, Ward, right now. Yeah, check my IG. I may right just now, try Ward. it. You never know. Oh, Lord. <laughs> on behalf of the What's Up Award, so we do not know Ward doing any type of building movements. Thank you. If you could, if you could meet any person um, who you've never met before, dead or alive, who would that person be? I and love why him. him. When I tell you guys, mm. he. You guys are going to think I'm crazy just because, you know, my upbringing, you know, this Middle Eastern girl coming from, like, you know, family and, and like, you know, I, but I love, like, I love music so much. I always listened to every single genre growing up, and um, I would listen to Tupac and memorize all of his lyrics. Um, I felt he was a true poet. I still listen to his music today, mm-hmm. and I felt like... It, it saddens me because a lot of his lyrics, it's like a flash forward to what we're dealing with now. Man. Especially Facts. in his song yeah. Changes. Right like that. that song sticks mm-hmm. out to me so much because the lyrics of that song, um, I'm like, if only he was alive. Like like I feel like he would he would have created such a big movement in life, I feel like. And so mm-hmm. I just I truly admire him. I love that, you know, he's a poet. I love that, um, you know, his lyrics have meaning to it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think one of my favorite songs by Tupac was the one, I don't know the uh, title is the one he was like, uh, I think it's called A Thug in Your Life. You need a th- you're lonely and something need a thug in your life. Yes. Or whatever. So I forget what that was, but yes. you can hear it there. You know what I'm talking about? That one just, I just like the beat of that one. It just, man, I just love that song. Okay, next question. If you were stranded on an island, what would you take with you? Hmm. That is a great question. Um, Stranded on an island. I feel like I would need some kind of tools or yeah. something. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Survival mode, right? Give me an internet. <laughs> like, internet and jetpack. That's all I need. It, I need as long as I got yeah. Wi-Fi. Yeah, I, 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 like, you're on an some, island. Uh, listen, uh, like a sword, uh, Something, right? Maybe, well, no, <laughs> she, she, she going. She made business. <laughs> she, she's not playing, man. Mode, you know, I need to figure out how I'm gonna eat. Like, what if what if someone comes after me? Like, right. You know, anything could happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True that. True that. What were you like in high school? What would people say that they remember about I you in high school? I was very um, quiet. And I, but I was very nice to everybody. Like, I feel like I didn't have a, a clique or like a friend group. I basically was cool with everyone, but I kept to myself. A lot oh, good. Because my parents okay. were very strict nice. okay. and I basically wasn't really allowed out like that. Um, just because, you know, it's a cultural aspect. Um, so I kind of missed out on a lot of parties and the, 
that type of stuff, but I still, you know, exactly you didn't miss right. anything. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, you know, I can admit, I can see it from a young person's uh, perspective too, because all your friends or people in your class are doing all these things. They mm-hmm. seem so great. And sometimes I think parents, it's like a spring. We hold on too tight and we let go and it boing, boing everywhere. But if we don't squeeze it at all, it just does its own thing. So I think parents need to learn to just kind of let off a little bit slowly at a time. And I think as parents, we have trouble from seeing our kids from kids to adults. So I think that kind of perpetuates that. Hey man, I do everything for me. My kids, I'm I have no no issue with control at all. You can ask. Okay, him. I'm gonna <laughs> ask him. Um, no, don't ask him. That's good. Don't ask him. What's my last question? I'm gonna ask. Oh, my last question. I ask you. Give me your top four favorite rappers. All right, Tupac, DMX, uh, Jada Kiss, and. Mm. I have to I have to include Eminem. Like I'm I was such an Eminem fan growing up too. Yeah. So um but I'm I'm more like old school hip hop, like more where, you know, the the lyrics have meaning to it versus like some of more oh, like yeah. the new school stuff That's, now, that... you know? Yeah, that I don't understand this new stuff, and everybody got a little in front of the name, little crazy, little shortness, little midget, whoever, little mumblers. Yeah. So, yeah, so all this mumbling stuff. So you're not offended. I don't even stand like, I don't. We, we, I don't we, know we, how you get a deal. What, what is they that? make me want to try to get a deal because that's is that all you got to do. What what do what do you think about a uh, uh, little uh, Nas and his little blood shoes? Is is that weird? You know what? I like. I knew that that was going on, but I didn't really read up too much on it me personally everyone's entitled to their opinion you know i'm i'm the type of person like i will respect your opinion as long as you respect mine if if you if you took offense to that i totally get it if you didn't i totally get it um at the end of the day i feel like me personally i feel like there's so much worse that somebody could do you know like i feel like if you're not physically inflicting harm on somebody or being racist or like those for me are like the the um deal breakers for me like racism of any kind Mm. um violence of any kind you know inflicting harm on any person but if someone is like trying to i guess uh be creative in their own way however that looks like i don't for me personally like that didn't bother me but I understand if, you know, other people were were offended by that because, you know, some people may be religious and they took that as like, oh, he's like portraying the devil and is proud of it type of thing. But, but how would you take that situation? Let's say what, uh, a, a student that you're working with, I'm not trying to put it on a, on a student, but mm-hmm. in your realm of, of education. You have a you have a student who who hasn't had any issues prior or no. This is kind of like a, a complete 180 for me. They start going down that path. How would you handle that conversation with them while respecting their their right to, to individual being so individual like, you know, that type of thing? You know, if it all kind of goes back to the same thing. As long as you're not harming anybody, you're not mm-hmm. like threatening anyone. You're not forcing it on anyone. I feel like you have a right to be your own individual self. I mean, the way that you um, portray yourself, mm-hmm. or the, the way that you express your interests, 
that's on you. You know, that is you. And I respect that. Like, I, I feel like I respect everyone for who they are. I don't judge anybody. Um, but if it does become an issue where mm-hmm. the students like going around to other students and is like, you need to believe this and look at this. And like, they're kind of taking away from or interfering with that academic environment. Then, then I can say, all right, you know mm-hmm. what? I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's your pivot I, point I, right I there. Get it. Like, I get it. Like, I respect <laughs> your, your your beliefs and your likes, but you know you can't also force it on others either. Right. Yeah, that's true. And I think a lot of people do try to. I, I think they mean well, but we have to learn to, like you said, we have to respect other people and accept that you know we're different and that, that's what makes us unique we Absolutely. all can coexist i wish everyone yeah thought that way though <laughs> oh yeah it'd be a wonderful place one day one day yeah, i'm one i'm trying to get like ward more but we got issues, so. <laughs> keep that we'll yeah, that's what keep it so. interesting <laughs> well friends that's gonna wrap it up for us uh this has truly been <laughs> an eye-opening show for me i think both trey and i both have found a new respect for the all the hard work the counselors thank do. We you thank so you, Sarah, for telling us that. Absolutely. Yeah, we hope that uh, the people out there listening too have uh, the same respect too. And um, said, are there any social media pages that you uh, people can go to to find out more about you or more about yeah, counselors so in I'm general? Actually, um, I do have my personal page. Um, it is public. Um, I do. I might share some things on my story or on my page, but I am. creating a separate one that just has like different resources um you know just helpful pointers for for people out there so um that's kind of in the works i haven't created it yet but yeah my instagram is available to anybody who is interested in following me and And what what is that instagram (laughs) so it is um i can just say it out um it's underscore seda S-E-D-A-G underscore. Okay. And, and one question I forgot to ask. What celebrity do you think most people think you look like? <sighs> Selena. Yeah. yeah. When, you, when you flat iron your hair, right? Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. I just want to throw that out there. Now I know people would... That's probably the only person, though. Like, I don't feel like I look like maybe even look like anyone else i feel like she's the only person okay did you have a final thought uh trey yeah i I just really enjoyed this conversation um a nice quote i was thinking about uh, i don't know if you heard about margaret mead she said children must be taught how to think not what to think and i think that's what our guest really has helped us out oh yeah yep i like that too and i was thinking about uh i don't know if you guys know paulo coelho he, he said, uh, when we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better, too. So, all right. So, we're going to wrap this up. And, again, we thank our special guest, Seda, for joining us today. And on behalf of the What's Up Award Show, my name is Woody Ward, and he's Trey. Peace. Yes, sir. So, this is what Ward's wondering now kind of sads my heart to think about all these police killings that's going on in the world, especially in America. It's just almost every day when people are getting desympathized to it sometimes, I guess, and it just bothers me. But I just want to say this. I understand that uh, people shouldn't 
resist the law. They shouldn't run from them. They shouldn't do all that stuff. And I agree, they shouldn't do that. It's just wrong. Because, I mean, if you did something wrong, that's their job to, you know, resolve that issue. Um, but it should be done in a diplomatic way, too. But I get what they're saying, that you, you shouldn't put yourself in harm's way unnecessarily like that. But I also look at it like this. If police officers are trained to handle situations where arresting people, they already know that people don't want to be arrested. People don't want to go to jail. That's why they're sneaking or doing it in a way that they may not get caught. So you would think that a police officer is trained to deal with people who don't want to be caught. I can remember as a child getting a spanking. It's not something that I wanted to do, but I know if I did something wrong, it was a very uh, real possibility that I could get a whooping. And back in my day, we got hit with switches, hot wheel tracks, or bricks or whatever they can find. It, it was a rough time. Okay? Nobody wants to talk about that. But my point I'm, I'm trying to stay on is that when police pull a gun and they might say, hey, I thought it was my taser, even though it's bright yellow and, and much lighter, and then you can see it and nobody stops you, I have issues with that. When they shoot someone running, they shoot them in the back and they think everything is a gun but a gun. I mean, if you have a sub sandwich, it's a gun. Cell phone, it's a gun. Fist pick, it's a gun. Toy gun, it's a gun. But when you have a gun in your hand, you suddenly get amnesia. And like, uh, I thought it was a, a taser. It's just kind of getting old. So, you know, there's only one solution for mankind's problem. I don't even try to disillusion myself to thinking that man's going to solve his own problems. But it's just getting old when these people are getting killed and to see these parents have to see their kid die on national television day after day. It's just a sad feeling because that could be me, my family member, my neighbor at some point. I'm just looking for a time and a place where we'll have peace on this earth again and we won't have to see death anymore. This is war, and this is what I'm wondering.